I invite you to find Acts chapter 1 in the Bible that you've got with you. Acts chapter 1. Well, what do we want to accomplish today? It, uh, it's going to be a little bit different than what we typically try to accomplish when we take this time of the service. Typically, we take a passage of Scripture and we dig into it, seeking to find out what does this mean and what does this mean for me or for us. That um, I do believe that that is the proper uh, purpose and objective for this time during a worship service. That's our typical practice. Today, we're going to dedicate this time to considering our new church vision statement. Um, I felt like it was a subject important enough to the life of the church to take this particular time to do it on a Sunday morning when the most number of people are able to be here or join us um, online because it's so important to what we're doing together and our corporate purpose. So we're going to take that time, dedicate this uh, sermon time today to doing that. We will have scripture to um, use as a guide. That scripture is found in Acts chapter 1. We're going to read a portion of that in just a minute. I've got three points to this presentation. They're printed in your bulletin. They'll also be up here on the screen as we go. And it's in the last point that we will find the tightest connection to Acts chapter 1. So as we're going through, you're thinking, okay, when are we going to get to the scriptural part of this? And when's Acts 1 going to come in? It's going to be in the third point, okay? And we will have other scriptures that will help us and that will call the mind as we, as we go along. Think together about our vision statement. Okay. Let's read from Acts first, and then we will look together at our new Prairie Hill vision statement. I'm going to start in verse 6. I'm going to read through verse 8. Okay, so very short passage, familiar passage uh, to most of you. Acts 1, beginning in verse 6 and reading through verse 8. Shall we stand in honor of God and his word? This is post-resurrection. Jesus and his disciples gathered together, and uh, his ascension or his return to heaven is just moments away, and this is what we find, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Heavenly Father, this time is for you and for your precious Son, Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who inspired these words to be written who is the power that dwells within us. And we ask you that that same Holy Spirit would be present now to make this a time that is pleasing to you and ultimately glorifying to your son Jesus as we seek to live out our lives in this spot, this geographic area, as witnesses to Jesus' beauty 
resurrection, and power. For we ask in his holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Here is our vision statement. You will uh, notice also perhaps that it's also printed on the back of your bulletin. It will be there every week uh, for you to see. Here it is. Our vision is to be an expanding, learning, and serving community of Christ followers. And as I mentioned, there are three uh, parts to my presentation this morning. First of all, how our vision statement was crafted. I just want to take some time to tell you how this came into being. Secondly, uh, what our vision statement means. In that second part, we're going to look at the actual words that are part of it and dig into each of those in more detail. And finally, at the end, um, we'll have some things to say about how we'll seek to actually fulfill our vision here. That will be um, talk about specific strategy and, and plan. Okay, but let's, let's begin here. I want to tell you about how our vision statement was crafted. And the first thing that I want you to know is that this vision statement that you see before you for our church was crafted in community. It's not just the work of one person's mind. It didn't come from just the pastor or just an elder or just any one person. It was a, a community effort. There was a team. The, the title of the team was the transition team. And that team of people included representation from both men and women, long-time Prairie Hill attenders and very short-time attenders. That was me when I joined the team when I, when I arrived back in April. There, were, there was representation from the older and from the younger. So it was a very diverse team, and we worked on crafting the new church tagline, which is on the front cover of the bulletin. The tagline is just a, the briefest snapshot of what we want to be about. Prairie Hill, Christ for the Twin Cities, Christ for the Nations. We also did some work in looking into the church purpose statement and also this vision statement. So it, it truly was uh, teamwork. Secondly, the vision statement was crafted through conversation and prayer. Many, many, many conversations and much prayer. Conversations taking place both in person and online. It was very common as we were meeting as a team for ideas to be shared in the evening at a meeting. And then they'd be posted online and we would have a chance to rehash those thoughts and keep talking about it online. Think and pray over the exact words and what they communicate about us and about God. It, it really was a, a long process. It was a drawn-out process. And, you know, that's a really good thing. For something as big as a, a vision statement for a church, you want it to take some time. You want to get it right. So the statement was not crafted in in haste, there was time uh, built in for thinking and sleeping on it and continuing to talk about it together. 
We'd meet, share ideas, talk online, and then we'd come back together. We'd come back to the table and keep talking. And for me personally, it was a very enjoyable experience. Um, I, I think back on that process and reflect on the great humility and maturity that was on display all the way through. Third, this statement was crafted out of love for Jesus and for this church and for the community. We didn't undertake this process as a church because we were trying to check a box and do something that we just felt like we had to do. We went through this process and crafted the vision statement because we believe it will help us meet our goal of being faithful disciples. This work was for Jesus. It's because he's told us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We love Jesus and so we want to obey him. And this vision statement is a a picture, it's a snapshot of what we will look like as a body if we are being faithful to the Great Commission. If we're being faithful to our calling, we will be an expanding, learning, and serving community of Christ followers. Now, this is a good place to address a question that you might have. I think this is a good question to ask. Like, what's the value of having a vision statement? Like, churches in the year 300 and 500 and 700 didn't have a vision statement. This is a really new phenomenon in a church. So what is the value of, of having one anyway? First of all, we'll say two things in answer to that question. Um, it serves an informational purpose. So you know as well as I do that people have options when it comes to where they want to go to church. And when you are seeking out a church, when a person is trying to figure out, well, where am I going to go to church? Where is our family going to go to church? It's helpful to know on the front end, where is this train headed? What are these people doing? What are they all about? And so setting this vision statement before ourselves and before the community lets any person know what we're all about, where we're headed, what we want to do. That's the informational purpose that it serves. It, it tells people where we're headed. Now, it also serves an inspirational purpose. It's informational and inspirational. Our vision statement calls us forward. That's what I mean when I say inspirational. Notice how... Are you, are you ready for a, a grammar refresher. I needed to do a grammar refresher as I went through this process. Notice how all the, the verbs, expanding, learning, and serving, all of those verbs are in the present progressive tense. I hope I got that right. <laughs> Someone correct me if I was wrong about that. All of the verbs are in the present progressive tense. They're all describing ongoing action. Ongoing desire, an incomplete work. So no matter what point we reach numbers-wise, we want to keep expanding. 
And no matter what point we reach learning-wise, we want to keep learning. And likewise for serving. We're not going to say, no, we served. We're, no, we're serving. Our vision statement calls us forward. Notice that the statement calls us forward into the community. It says we're going we're gonna to keep all these things happening. We're going to be pulled forward by our vision statement, and we're going to be pulled forward into the community. Where are we going to expand to? Where are we going to serve? All of those things are going to be happening out into the community. We're not just a community. We are a community expanding and serving out into the larger community. We are not meant to hunker down. Church is not meant to hunker down and stay in one place and withdraw. That's not the Jesus that we see in the Gospels. Yes, he was in the synagogue teaching, but then he was out in the villages He was in the countryside. He was teaching. He was meeting people where they were. The last thing, the last kind of mindset that we can have is a hunker down mindset. And so this vision statement calls us forward to expand into the community with the good news of Jesus, serving in his name. So there are a couple of thoughts about the value of having a vision statement. It calls us onward with the progressive nature of the verbs, and it calls us outward, out of our own building, into the community. I really need those things. I need to be reminded of those things, to not have a hunker-down mentality, to be directed out of my comfort zone. So we see it there. There's an informational purpose at work here, and there's an inspirational purpose at work here. All right, let's go to point two. Let's talk about what our vision statement means, and we get to get into even more grammar here. We're going to talk about the verbs first, and we don't need to spend a lot of time here because you know what, what these words and these verbs mean, but I'm just going to spell it out a little more specifically for you. So when we talk about the idea of expanding, we're talking about expanding in terms of numbers. That is number of people. We want to see more people coming to know Jesus personally, more people worshiping him, more people following him, not to build our brand, not so that we can boast about how big Prairie Hill is becoming. We want to see people being saved and coming to know Jesus because Jesus is wonderful and deserves the glory and people need hope. This is a good desire for a church to have. We see this happening at the church's earliest stage, Acts 2, 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Lord, grant that that would happen here. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The idea of expanding. Learning, growth in terms of maturity. Back to Acts 2, 
verse 42, looking at the early church, this description is given to us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were learners. That's what the word disciple means. A disciple is a a learner. A disciple is a student. Continuing to learn true doctrine will always be important. Where the church has tended to get it wrong over the last couple of centuries is treating learning as the only thing. That's what has tended to happen, that Christian has been reduced to someone who does Bible study. And let's face it, it's a lot easier to sit in your room with your Bible and a commentary and study the Bible than it is to be out encountering the real world and real people. I'm not blaming you, I'm just blaming myself. We're remembering together that learning will always be important and increasing in maturity as knowledge grows and understanding goes. But we also have to remember that, yes, Jesus pulled away in the morning. He pulled away early to be on his own and commune with the Father. But following that time, he dove back into the the dark and demon-possessed and trouble-filled world full of people to expand the kingdom and serve the people. So learning, yes, always learning, but not learning exclusively. Last verb is serving. And here we're talking about something very specific. When we say serving, understand that includes both of these ideas, meeting the spiritual and physical needs of people in our community. Spiritual and physical. We meet spiritual needs through sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The deepest need of every individual. Meeting their spiritual need through sharing the gospel. And ministering to the physical needs of people through acts of compassion in Jesus' name. That's what we mean by serving. Meaning spiritual and physical needs, both. When we serve, we we take a low position to meet someone else's needs. That's what a church is. A church is a collection of people who are focused not on their needs and rights and privileges and future. A church is a collection of people who are focused on someone else's needs and rights and privileges and future. How can we be a people like that? What makes that possible for us to be so others-oriented? It's because all of those things are already taken care of for us. They have all been provided for us in Christ. That's part of our testimony to his glory, that in Christ we have been given everything we need. All of our needs and privileges and rights and future are completely taken care of and completely secure. We are free to focus on 
those things for the sake of other people. That's what a church is, a group of people who have been taken care of to such an extent they do not have to worry about those things anymore. They go and say, I'm going to go do that for someone else. We've been freed up to go to the lowest spot because we have already been seated in the highest spot. It's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, that we have been raised up with him and seated with him, that's Christ, in the heavenly places. That's where we are. That's where we're seated. Therefore, we are free now to take the lowest position and become servants to those around us. So, in summary, expanding, learning, serving. Now we understand a little bit more about what we mean when we say those things. So much for the verb. Let's talk a little bit about the nouns. We've got two nouns that are present here. The first noun is community. Now, if there's one word in this whole vision statement that probably our eyes just pass over and it's kind of a throwaway word maybe. We probably would think it's the word community. We just read right over that and don't see anything significant there. Nothing could be further from the truth. And while it's not as exciting as the verbs and it precedes Christ followers, we've got the word Christ coming up and so we just brush by community, but we're not going to fly by it here because it was chosen with intention The word community encapsulates what we see in that Acts 2 description of the church. If we read that whole end of Acts 2 passage, we would see how they were sharing their meals together and they were sharing their possessions with each other, even so far as selling things they didn't need so they would have money to give to other people. And they were worshiping together and they were praying together and praising together. This was a community. It was a a recognizable group in which the people shared their lives with each other. And that's what we want to be, a recognizable group in which we share our lives with each other. The most basic elements of life, like meals and needs and worship and prayer, We want to be a community. Everyone right now is looking for community, Christian and non-Christian alike. Everyone wants to belong. Here are my two encouragements to you regarding community, practical application points that you can put into practice right away. The first one, as we think about how are we going to develop into a community and keep developing community here. My first encouragement to you is to be invitational. In the course of the process of writing this vision statement, there were some things that we just had to leave on the cutting room floor. Like we, we couldn't put everything in. And the one thing that I would have loved to have in the vision statement that I advocated for it, but in the end I said, no, let's leave that out, it's too much. It was this word invitational. To be an invitational community, what does that mean? That means that 
as we think about this body and what we do here in the church, it means that we just develop the practice of inviting other people to join us. It's part of disciple-making. You're doing a special project, invite someone else to come along. Invite someone younger that could maybe use some training in that. You're going to visit someone in the nursing home, invite someone to go with you. We've got a, a Thanksgiving service coming up, invite a neighbor to come with you. Begin to make it part of your church lifestyle, to just be invitational and be okay when someone says no, and just invite the next person. I'm going to aspire to that myself, to be more invitational. You know that Christ, everywhere at all times, was always inviting. Remember the words he used, come, follow, all those things, come with, be a Christian, invite, invite, invite. That's the first encouragement. Here's the second one, is to be intentional. As we think about and ask ourselves the question, how are we going to keep developing community here? One of the things all of us can do is be intentional in our decision-making. So when we have a decision to make regarding church life, instead of asking the question, What's going to be most comfortable, or what do I always do? Start to ask, the, ask this question. What decision can I make that will best build community here? Just one practical example that we all do every week is we choose a place to sit. And we've all got our default. We go by default to the exact same spot. What if you started asking the question, not where do I always sit or where do I like to sit, but ask the question, what decision can I make that will best build community here? Who do do I not know? Who can I sit by where there will be a better chance that a conversation can take place? And, And my goodness, if someone is alone, if someone doesn't have anyone sitting around them, let, let's, let's all just be in the practice of not letting that happen anymore. Maybe some of you will be so serious about this, you'll just wait in the lobby and, until five minutes into the service and you'll just wait to see who's sitting alone and then you'll take your cue and you'll go sit with them. I would love for that to happen. Maybe six of you will be back there fighting over that spot. Now, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, well, maybe they want to be alone. Like, maybe I go sit next to them and they're annoyed because they came to church and they wanted to be alone. Let me, let me tell you something. No one who comes through these doors wants to be alone. You come to a church because you don't want to be alone. If someone wanted to be alone, they would stay at home and watch the live stream. We can be intentional about the decisions we make to say, how are we going to keep weaving this community together? How are these bonds going to continue to be built? That's just one example of how you can make an intentional choice that will continue to build community. And you will be able to find other ways as well. We aspire to be a community, invitational and intentional. Christ followers. Not just any kind of community. A community of Christ followers. It's the most important thing in the vision statement. 
um, but we're going to probably say the least about it. It's not to be taken for granted, um, but it is the most basic element of our vision statement. We are a church. We are followers, worshipers of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. Look at that term on the screen. We are not Christ leaders. As if we would define for ourselves what it means to be a Christian and then claim Jesus as our own, approving of those decisions. We are Christ followers, taking our cues from his words and life as the only sure guide to navigate our lives. We are those who live in submission, under authority, under the law of Christ. He is what binds us all together. We are a community of Christ followers. He is the head, and we follow. Okay, that's the second point. We just took some time to think together about what these words actually mean in this context. Expanding, learning, serving, community, and Christ followers. Each of those words was chosen very carefully, and we had to leave out a lot of other words that we could have chosen. Like, the word praying isn't in here. How important is that? And the word worshiping is not in here. And How important is that? And the word loving is not in here. And how important is that? And obviously we couldn't make a statement that includes everything that we would maybe want to because then it, it would no longer be memorable. And we wouldn't be able to pass it along at a moment's notice to someone who wanted to know what our church is all about. Our vision is to be an expanding, learning, and serving community of Christ followers. Now, one thing about strategy, and then we're done, okay? Now that we've gone through what the words themselves mean, how are we going to try to carry this out? Is this just going to remain a statement on paper that we hope will happen, but we're just kind of hoping and there's no real plan? Well, no, there there is a a plan. There's a a corporate plan that we'll talk about briefly, and there's also an invitation Uh, individual invitation that I want to make to you, okay? Let's talk about the corporate plan. I had a lot of fun with PowerPoint this week. And so a lot of of these images are just going to bounce into the screen or do fun things because I was enjoying what I was doing, okay? (laughs) There's us. That little blue box is Prairie Hill. That's our church. That's our church building. There's the high school. It's right next door. It's bigger. There's Prairie View Elementary School right up the road. God opened an incredible door there for us uh, this summer. Chance to get into the school and help with food. It's right up the road. It's in our backyard. That little yellow box down at the bottom of the screen screen is Elam Shores. uh, Retirement community on Eden Prairie Road right down here by Dairy Queen. It's affiliated with the E-Free Church. I didn't know that until a few weeks ago. I'm still new and learning things. But they are affiliated with the E-Free Church, and they're right there, just down the road from us. There are businesses right in our area. 
Those are those green boxes down there, especially at the intersection of four and five. The Eden Prairie Community Center is right next to the high school. There's a fire station next to the community center. And, of course, there are residential areas all around as well. And Round Lake Park right across the street. That's our neighborhood. And that taken together, that oval represents our footprint. Here we are, right in the heart of the community, community life in Eden Prairie. God has opened doors for us to do special projects with the high school, with the elementary school. There are all kinds of open doors at Elam Shores and all kinds of businesses, city offices, and residences within our footprint. So within that footprint, okay, now this is where Acts 1 comes in. Remember I told you it would come in individually. That footprint right there, we can consider as our Jerusalem. The the immediate area that we find ourselves in. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So for us, there is a Jerusalem sphere, our immediate footprint right around here where God has planted us as a church, right in the middle of the community life in Eden Prairie. And here are the questions we're going to ask corporately as a church about this footprint with schools and businesses and community offices and city parks. The outreach team is is working on these things right now. Within our footprint, just this little area, how can we move into relationship with surrounding businesses and city offices? How can we get to know those people and support those people? How can we communicate, we love you, we care about you, we're here for you? Things like this are all about building bridges to open up doors for conversation about Jesus and opportunities to share the gospel. How can we move into the the lives of these people right here in our footprint and communicate these ideas? What are effective ways to do that? It's one of the questions that we're asking. What words and actions will support our efforts to bear witness in Jesus' name? What initiatives will help local students and local residents? Look, we're in a dreaming phase. That God has already done incredible things, things that we could not have imagined. He has opened doors that we weren't even trying to open. So now we're asking, how can we come alongside what God is already doing right here in our area? Okay, that's our footprint. That's our corporate plan. Now, listen, we're, we're not saying that as a church we are going to focus exclusively on our footprint. Okay, we're saying we're going to focus primarily on our footprint. Other areas of Eden Prairie and other areas in the western and southern suburbs, those could be viewed as like our Judea and our Samaria, the surrounding regions. We're going to keep our eyes open to what God is doing there and opportunities to be witnesses there also. And then to the ends of the earth. Next Sunday is is Missions Sunday. We're going to talk more about that kind of an effort, okay? But our immediate footprint is going to be our primary focus. Now, I want to show you one more thing. This is um, the individual invitation, okay? That black house right there is you. That's where you live, your private residence, wherever that happens to be. 
you have other people that live around you. You have uh, perhaps businesses right in the area where you live. You may have a school in your area. You may have city offices. You may have an apartment complex. You may have some kind of um, an emergency um, office like police station, fire station, something like that. You may have a city park. And here's the invitation that I want to make to you at the individual level is to begin to say, okay, here's where God has put our family. This is our footprint. We have people, businesses, offices, all these opportunities here within our footprint and start to ask the same questions that we're asking as a church. What kind of things can I do to communicate, I love you, I care about you, I'm here for you? And I know that that idea can be overwhelming to think about, well, how am I going to, how am I even going to get into that? Like there's so many people and so many needs and the last thing I need, especially right at the holidays, is another thing to do. A huge plan to undertake. So very simply, we'll end with this. Just three practical points. First of all, either individually or with your family, just determine your footprint. Decide, like, what is, our, what is the natural boundary of our footprint for where we live? The people, the businesses, the school, all those kind of things. And make the foundation prayer. Begin to pray. Don't just launch off unless God plops an opportunity right down in front of you that you can't pass up, but enter into prayer. Begin to pray for people. And there's a, a wonderful um, a website, and there's an app that goes along with it called uh, Bless Every Home. And I it's going to bring my phone up and show you or at least hold it up, but I've downloaded the app, and when you put in your address, it immediately provides you with a list of residences and even names of the people that live around you. Okay, this is a little bit scary maybe, but it's an app designed to help you pray through your neighborhood. And it even has names, and you can know where people live and start to pray for your neighbors by name. Wonderful idea. And as you pray, ask God to give you ideas. Ask God, how can I begin to reach out to people within my footprint individually? Um, you may have a special gift, something you're really good at that you can share with other people. Um, maybe some kind of a service thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. It'll be different for everybody. I'm just encouraging you to ask God to show you what you can do. And the last thing I want to mention is um, just an encouragement for you to realize the opportunity that's in front of us. Because of what we have been through collectively, as a people in our country for the last 18 months or so, there's an incredible opportunity right now. In the, in the next eight weeks, like this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, to go to anyone, whether it's a business or an office or a neighbor, simply communicating somehow, look, the last 18 months have been really hard on everybody. I just wanted you to know I love you, I care about you, I'm here for you, here's a cookie. Think about how that opportunity was really not there four or five, six years ago, just to go to anyone and say, huh, this has been hard. To go to a business and say, this is a tough year for businesses. 
Just wanted you to know I support you and I care about you. Or to go to a school administrator at your local school and say, wow, trying to lead a school for the last 18 months, that must have been really difficult. Here's, here's a card and here's a, a gift card. We love you. Thank you for the work that you did. What a natural opportunity to, to reach people right now in, in Jesus' name. Give them the gift. Give them the card in Jesus' name. Remember that as much as we might like it to be the goal, the goal is not to invite people to come to church. It's great if they want to come to church, but that's not the main goal. The goal is to invite people to know Jesus personally, and you can do that. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the scriptures. You know Jesus. You can invite them to know Jesus too. You are the church. You make up the church. And as your witness for Jesus expands in your footprint, the ministry of the church expands along with it, okay? Think about the opportunity in front of us in the next eight weeks. Begin praying and ask God what he would have you do. This is between you and God. We set this vision statement before us as a people for Jesus' glory. Our vision is to be an expanding, learning, and serving community of Christ followers. Let's pray. Father, none of us know how much time we have left. We may have hours. We don't want to presume that we've got all kinds of time to fulfill good intentions. So I thank you for the opportunity that's before us today. Um, Together we enter into prayer, not wanting to move ahead of you, but in pace with you. And just say, Father, we're in your hands and we are willing. I pray that you would light a fire of love for Jesus that would expand into compassion and into courage to go and bear witness in Jesus' name here in our little Jerusalem, in our Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Thank you in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.